So Lord, with joy, we offer the whole of who we are back to you. Everything that we have, all of our resources, all of our time, all of our gifts, all of our energy, our imagination, the opportunities you put before us, our tomorrows, all these we give back to you. We do so to the praise of your glory, to the strengthening of your church, and to the furthering of your work in this world. We pray, Lord, that you would make our love for this world the proof that this world needs of your love for this world. We offer these things, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Well, of all the many really frustrating things about the COVID season, I think one of the most frustrating things of all for us, I'm guessing you would agree with us with this, for us as the people of God, is the sense that COVID has robbed us of the opportunity to to serve God in meaningful ways, to live out our love, to live into our love for God in difference-making ways in this world. We all feel homebound. We all feel hand-tied. We all feel like we've been uh, plucked from the, the places and the opportunities for us to give the expression to God that will meaningfully communicate the love of God to this world. Lindsay's story is, I think, for all of us, a great reminder that God can use us, even in the middle of these circumstances, to show his love to the people that he has placed right along our roots and uh, to experience his loving uh, presence for them. Well, good morning, Covenant family. It is a joy to be with you all and to uh, enjoy your company and I want to invite those who are, who are our kids this morning, who are going to be part of our children's program, that now's the time to hop up and go enjoy the awesome uh, things that Miss Lily and Miss Renee have planned for you as the rest of us carry on in our conversation. So as our, as our kids are heading out for their program, let me just tell you, uh, where we're going to be going this morning. For the last few weeks, we've been focusing on what we've been calling our COVID calling. Two weeks ago, you may remember, Rob did a great job of opening up the first of those to stay anchored to God. And then last Sunday, Brentley did an awesome job of opening up the second one of those that we would stay connected to God's people. And this morning, I'm going to be leading us and reflecting on the third one of those, all ways for us to think about and to pray about how we want to be coming into the new year with still lots of uh, COVID challenges in front of us. So for our conversation this morning, I'm going to be taking us to a very familiar passage of scripture. It's one uh, that, that captures a conversation that took place between Jesus and the religious authorities during the last week of his life. You may remember during that time he was teaching in the temple grounds and the religious authorities more and more concerned with him and the direction his ministry were, uh, was going, tried to trap him in their questions and to undermine his authority in the eyes of the people. So starting in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, we're told that first one group and then another group uh, came at him with questions to try to trip him up. Verse 34, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. And one of them, an expert in religious law, 
tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, you may be aware that Jewish teachers, years before this, had gone through the scriptures and counted 613 commandments that were included there in the scriptures. And there was an ongoing debate among the rabbis, the religious teachers, about which of those were the most important. During the time of Jesus, there was kind of a divide in the way that people thought about this. The school of Shammai emphasized the vertical dimension, and they said the two most important commands were to love God and to observe the Sabbath. But the school of Hillel had much more of a horizontal focus. They said, Rabbi Hillel said, you could sum up the entire law in this phrase, whatever is hateful to you, you shouldn't do to your neighbor. Here's how Jesus answers the question. Matthew 22, beginning in verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Well, the first one isn't such a great surprise. This is the place where almost all of the rabbis began as they gave their short list of the commandments that that mattered most. And that makes sense. If we're talking about a relationship with God, our love for God should be the defining commandment. But it is a surprise what Jesus does when he adds a second commandment and the way he elevates that alongside the first commandment. Matthew 22, 39, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus says the second is like it, what does he mean by that expression, like it? Well, it's interesting that word can have kind of three different layers of meaning to it. It can mean this is similar to this, And they are. They both start off with the phrase, you shall love. Jesus is talking about love with both these commandments. In that respect, they're both similar. But it can also mean this is equal in weight or importance to this. These are the two that sit on the top of the list above all of the others. They are equal in importance. And it can also mean this corresponds to this. This is connected to this. This first one is joined to this second one in a you-can't-have-the-one-without-the-other sort of way. And I think Jesus is meaning to communicate all three of those ideas, which makes his comment pretty startling, that this horizontal dimension to the faith would be as important as the vertical dimension. But the rest of his teaching makes clear that for Jesus, love of God and love of others are inextricably linked. Each one is necessary to, each one is an expression and an outworking of the other. If we love God and we don't love our neighbors, we're just stargazers. And if we love our our neighbors, but we don't love God, we're a little better than Boy Scouts. And don't get me wrong, stargazers and Boy Scouts are great, but neither of them is a picture of what the Christian life is all about. Jesus says, We cannot live the sort of life that God intends without both love for God and love for neighbor. Is that how you view the importance of loving your neighbor as you think about your Christian life? Equal in importance to and directly tied to and the outworking of your love for God? 
Jesus also says, love your neighbor. Now, I think this is really interesting to notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, love humanity in general. Although sometimes I think that's how we hear this. He doesn't say, just kind of vaguely love the world. I don't know how you do that in a way that's meaningful at all. Jesus calls us to be much more specific and particular in our expression of love than that. But notice also that he doesn't say just love your friends or love your fellow churchgoers. At the very same time he's calling us to be very specific and particular in our love, he also calls us to be wide and inclusive in our love. Jesus calls us to love our neighbors. Our neighbors are the particular people with particular needs that God has plunked into our day-to-day life. The people with whom we have some sort of connection simply for the reason that we encounter them as we go along our route each day. I think sometimes you and I can carry around a pretty vague idea of who our neighbors are. And it becomes kind of this vague, just love others kind of thing that doesn't really propel us into action. So I have been thinking recently, especially during the last nine months of COVID, that it is really helpful to start thinking in terms of our literal neighbors. The person who lives in front of me and behind me and on one side of me and on the other side of me. Who are your literal neighbors? Now I realize when we start talking in those terms that for some that's not a very helpful or tidy category. Some of you may live out in the country where the closest neighbor is five miles away. That may not be a very helpful way to think about it. Or if you're a single woman living in an apartment complex, it may not be best for you to think of all of your neighbors being all of the people who are right around you. Or maybe you're a student and most of your time is spent at school and it's more helpful for you to think in terms of your neighborhood being your class and the the people you encounter, your fellow students at school. Or maybe given your circumstances, it makes more sense to think in terms of the people that you work alongside of, your coworkers on the floor or uh, on the office hallway. So who are your neighbors? Who are the particular people that God has put around you in your daily life? So Jesus says we are to love our neighbors, and then he uses this interesting expression. We are to love them as ourselves. What does that mean? Well, I think the most common way that that's understood is to mean that we should consider others as being every bit as important as we are. And that's certainly a biblical idea, as we're going to discover when we begin next week working our way through the book of Philippians. When we get to chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2, we'll hear Paul say, you should consider others as being as important as yourself. But I think, um, while that is certainly part of what Jesus has in mind, I think there's also another dimension to this that actually provides some really practical help for us as we think about loving these particular people that God has put in our lives. Let me open that up for you. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, I think a very significant part of what he means is love your neighbor in the same sort of way that you would want to be loved. Who is the person on this planet that you know the best of all? Well, it's you, isn't it? Okay, so start there, Jesus says. What is a way that you would like to be loved? 
Stop and think about that for a minute. What is a way that you would like to be loved in a practical, meaningful way by someone right now, today? Well, Jesus says, now bring your neighbors to mind and think about loving them that way, in that way that would be meaningful to you. Use your own experience as creative inspiration. Think about your needs, think about your struggles, think about your longings, use those as a guide and come up with some practical ways, ways to show the love of God. I'm sure for many of you, that's already leading you to make the connection to another important passage in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, the passage we call the golden rule. Jesus says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So we start with us, with our needs, our desires, the things that we would find meaningful, and we go from there, building out from there to think about how to love others. So how has someone shown you love? Here's an example for me. We, uh, this fall, we bought a huge load of firewood and we had it dumped in front of our house. It was such a huge load that didn't just fill up our driveway, it filled up our entire cul-de-sac and it was so high that airplanes had to veer around it when they came across the Lafayette area. So our next door neighbors in their 80s looked out at our pile of wood and completely undaunted, pulled on their work gloves, brought around their wheelbarrow and spent an hour or two helping us move and stack that pile of woods. That was incredibly meaningful to us. It spoke love to us. Well, I could love someone like that. Or what's a way you might like someone to show you love? I found out recently that someone on our street was going through some long-term health struggles and was going to be homebound for a long time. And I thought, well, how would I want someone to show me love in that situation where I was just stuck at home with hours and hours on my hands that I didn't know what to do with? So I went to Vaughn's and I got a stack of books and I brought them to his house. Thought, what better way to spend that time than to read? How would I want to be loved? That's how I sought to love. Jesus calls us to love our neighbor with our heart, or to love God with our heart, our soul, and our minds. And he's calling us in this passage to love our neighbor with our imagination, which leads us to empathy and understanding and gives us some practical ideas about how to love. So what's a practical way that you would want to be loved? Well, here are some ways that I have learned over the past few weeks that you have shown love in really practical ways just over these holidays. These are some of the things I've heard. A bunch of you have baked cookies, baked bread, baked cakes, baked fruit cakes, made special concoctions of popcorn, have gotten crab cakes from Whitaker Inn, and you've delivered those around to your neighbors with a Christmas greeting. What a great tangible expression of love. Some of you have grabbed your shovels when the latest uh, snowfall came and you got out and you shoveled snow for neighbors who uh, might have been benefited by that. I found out that some of you found creative ways through the church to get connected with some families in need in the church and in the community and to lend a hand financially. That's a really beautiful picture. Some of you invited international students over and you had conversations about some of the most important things in life, kind of like the conversation Jesus was having with the religious authorities. Some of you have been intentional just to make time to connect with neighbors in your driveway, and at least one of you has just started walking around your neighborhood, 
You're not going to hear everything in this interview, but I think you'll catch the gist of it. Hi, Covenant family. I am here with Marion Brujink, and we're going for a walk in her neighborhood together, which is something that is not familiar for me to do with her on a regular basis, but is a regular part of her life. Every day at three o'clock, she goes for a walk in this neighborhood. So, um, Marion, tell us a little bit about kind of how this got started. Um, well, I, I believe that it was a godsend that brought this group of ladies together. Back in March, there were two ladies that had lost husbands within the last couple of years, and uh, they started walking. And then uh, others started joining, and uh, not just side-by-side -side neighbors, but throughout the subdivision. And word kind of spread, and so we all just kind of started walking. Now we stay in touch um, daily. Many of these women have lost spouses, and uh, some have experienced COVID, some had about our other neighbors and um, so we started walking and we've reached out and uh, Chris is home with Carolyn that's really fun uh, people's uh, you know that a lot of people don't get out in these neighborhoods so now with all the COVID that's happened and um, so tell me I'm one of the things I'm curious about is we all have this sense of I don't know if if the things I'm doing are really making a difference what would you say is some of the fruit that's come as a result of this time you've spent with these uh, folks you're walking with? I think this has given us an opportunity to um, get to know our neighbors, get to share our faith, and pray for each other, which we do. And uh, we all have our uh, things on their mind that they like prayer for, they ask, and we pray for each other. And we also uh, have reached out to the community and uh, like for cancer events, we've walked for those. Oh, that's great. Too, and uh, to help raise money and uh, right now, um, we are helping a family that um, through people in their family have COVID and um, they are asking, uh, are we going to help provide some meals and that just came about. And we've helped some other neighbors too in that way. And um, I think as far as we, we've learned a lot about love, we've learned a lot about um, what that means to, I know that God has a plan for us to serve him and to serve others and uh, so serving others loving others and um just getting to know our neighbors it's been so much fun i love that and it's all started with just going for walks together i love it well thanks marion it's fun to be able to walk down your street together with you and and i love what god's doing here thanks thanks what a great picture um, and what a great reminder that there are ways every single one of us can love even in the midst of the confines of COVID. All right, so let me just take this a next step. So starting with ourselves and our own interests and our desires and using our imagination is a great way to think about how we can love our neighbors in, in practical ways. That's a great starting point, but it isn't really enough for us to love our neighbors in the particular ways that will be ultimately meaningful for them. How can you love your neighbor if you don't really know your neighbor? I mean, what I end up doing is just going on the basis of what I like and what I would appreciate doing someone doing for me. 
Well, if I act on the basis of that, and that's my only basis, and the, what, my, that, what that means is all my neighbors are ever going to get from me is books and chocolate, because those are the things that I love. It's funny, um, at, during Christmas time, I bought several dozen bars of kind of gourmet chocolate bars uh, that I ended up delivering in my neighborhood. And uh, I was at Aldi's, and I put this huge carton of all of these candy bars and a bouquet of, of roses on the thing, and they, they went down, the person was checking them out. She didn't say a thing, just went through counting one after the other, ringing them up, you know, dozens of them. And about three quarters of the way through, without even looking up, she said, your wife is gonna be one happy woman. <laughs> I started to tell her what it's for, and then I just said, you're right, she will. So the more we know our neighbors and their actual needs, the better we're able to love them. Imagination is good, but information is better. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23 says, be sure that you know the state of your flocks and pay close attention to your herds. The best way to love your neighbors is to get to know them. And the rest follows from there. So let's return to a project that Tom had us do a couple of years ago. Let's map out our neighborhood again and think about what the needs in our neighborhood might actually entail. So first, think at the big picture level. Some people are encouraging the church to begin to think in terms of each of us having a personal parish. I think this is a really exciting and challenging idea. A parish is an ancient concept. It refers to the neighborhood around a particular church for which that church sees itself in some ways responsible, whether or not those people in that neighborhood ever go to that church. So a personal parish would be a group of neighbors who live around us for whom we are willing to take some sort of responsibility, to be mindful of their needs and to try in, in small ways maybe to shepherd them spiritually, at least to be available to care for them. So what would be your personal parish? For us, I drew a, a map of this, it is the other 18 houses on our cul-de-sac plus four other houses that are kind of in the adjoining area. It's kind of a natural cluster of houses that makes sense for us to, to think about as the focus of some of our love and our care. So what would your personal parish map look like? Sometime this week, I wanna encourage you to actually draw a map of your personal parish. Draw a map of your neighborhood. Kiddos, this is a great place for you to get involved. And in fact, in some of the material you received today on the clipboard, there are uh, some, some things that uh, Renee provided to help you think about how to map your neighborhood. So maybe you can be the cartographers. Maybe you can be the map makers and help your mom and dad. So as I started thinking about this a few years ago, I began to realize I really don't know most of my neighbors at all. I don't even know most of their names. So when COVID hit, I saw that as an opportunity. I dropped a note by each of my neighbor's houses in our personal parish, and I started gathering information about who lived under each roof. And then I created a neighborhood directory, and I handed that out to everyone. I put on my Mr. Rogers sweaters. This cracked me up when I saw I was wearing this on uh, the day we're talking about neighbors. And I said, won't you be my neighbor? I didn't really do that. Uh, I'm kidding. But I gave them the, uh, the directory. And then I had also, in this process, 
asked them to share with me so that I could share with our other neighbors any needs that they had that were unique during this COVID season that some of us might be able to respond to, and also asked if they had any resources that they wanted to make available to their other neighbors. Maybe they had a stockpile of toilet paper or unique technology skills that would help us get, get and stay connected with people when we were kind of homebound or whatever else it might be. And I made those needs and those resources available to others in the neighborhood. So it's great to be able to map out our personal parish as a way to think about uh, who should be the focus of our love and of our prayers. So then that leads us to the next step. Is there a part of your neighborhood, is there a part of your apartment complex that makes sense for you to kind of zero in on and get to know better? I mean, it's, it's great to have a wider focus, but it's hard to care for, in our case, 23 households in a meaningful way. So who are the people that God has put right around you that it makes sense for you to go deeper with, to get closer with? Maybe it's the students who you eat lunch with or sit right around you, um, the same students who sit right around you every day in your classes. Maybe it's the people who work with you in the same area in your office. So I drew a map of my uh, immediate neighborhood. Here's our house at the bottom, and I drew a map of the, the neighbors who live right around me. I'm gonna encourage you to do the same thing, to, think, to begin to think in practical terms about who those people are, specifically by name, that God has put around you. So what would a map of, a map of your near neighborhood look like? Who would be included? All right. Now the task is to begin to get to know them. And I would encourage you to think about even just drawing a little household uh, picture where you begin to fill in some of the information of who the people are who live around, uh, who live under that roof and some of the things that you're beginning to know them, their name, about them, their names, and maybe their interests. Like I put down here Fido at the end and his main interest seems to be our yard. All right, so here's what I want to encourage you to think about uh, beginning to gather related to each of these households. First of all, who is under the roof? And pets are important. Pets are important to the people who have them. So getting to know pets by name is actually part of the way you can build bridges. So who's under the roof? Secondly, what do you know about how they spend their time? What are their occupations? What are the main things that they do? Third, what can you learn about their interests? What are the things that seem to tug at, your heart, at their heart? And maybe there would be some point of connection there for you with them. And then finally, what seem to be their needs? What are some of the uniquely challenging circumstances that they face in their occupation or in their family structure or, or under their roof in some way? Who are they? How do they spend their time? What are their interests and what are their needs? How far could you go in filling in the answer to those questions in the households that surround you in your immediate neighborhood? Remember, the more that you know about your neighbors, the easier it will be to talk with them and to make a connection with them. And the better equipped you will be to love them and to pray for them in meaningful ways. So, Take some time this week to draw a picture of the houses or the apartments that are right around you and write down what you already know about those folks and then what you want to get to know next. All right, so you've used your imagination as a starting point to think about what the needs of your neighbors might be. And to that, you are adding information to guide you uh, to love them in more meaningful ways. 
Well, here's what happens when you join intention to your imagination and your information. What might it look like for us to love our neighbors in intentional, purposeful ways? Well, actually, there are several places in the New Testament that guide us uh, and give us real clear direction on the steps that we can take in loving our neighbors. I just want to highlight four of those briefly. I encourage you to jot these passages down and return to them maybe in your devotional time this week and give some thought to how they might inform your intentional efforts to reach out to your neighbors. It begins by loving and praying indiscriminately. Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 to 48. Describe the, the, our Heavenly Father as a God who allows, who, who, um, who causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, who sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. So we are called to love and pray for all, Matthew, or Jesus says in this passage. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others do? Even the pagans do that. Be perfect, that is, reflect the heart of God just as your heavenly Father does. When we seek to love the particular people that God puts around us, the starting point is to seek to love and to pray for all of our neighbors in a way that reflects God's open-armed love for us. Not narrowing our love down uh, just to those who, who like us or those that we like, but to pray for and to love all of them. Prayer is always the best place to start in loving our neighbor. I think perhaps one of the most enduring images for me of this COVID Christmas season was the picture that the Overstreets posted on Facebook. And I'm so glad they did this because it was... Um, it shared such a beautiful picture of them at midnight on Christmas Eve, having gone home from serving in the church, having with candles in their jars and all bundled up on a 20-degree night, going out and stopping and praying in front of every house in their subdivision, 57 houses. What a beautiful picture. I mean, what better way to love our neighbors? So we, we're called to start by loving and praying indiscriminately. Then secondly, to focus our attention where there's openness. This is captured in Matthew chapter 10, verses 10 to 13. In that passage, Jesus is sending out the disciples uh, to do the work of mission. And he says, whenever you enter a city or a, vill a village, search for a worthy person and stay in that home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let that blessing stand. And if not, take back the blessing and extend it to someone else. Jesus is saying in this that we will inevitably see among those that we are seeking to pray for and show love to that some are more responsive than others. And Jesus is, isn't saying just forget about the rest of them, just focus on them. He's saying as you continue to love and pray for all, be attentive to the response that you're finding among some and, and focus there. Third, invest resources intentionally. Luke chapter Six or 16, verses 1 to 9, here's the conclusion of that passage. The people of this world are much more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. In our day, I'm guessing you would agree with this, time is even more precious and scarce than money. So that actually becomes the most valuable and meaningful gift that we can give to our neighbors. 
So how would God have you set aside intentional time each week for your neighbors? Making a meal and taking it to someone, or helping out with a project, or dropping off a box of Mary Lou donuts, or just hanging out and chatting. Here's another unexpected thought on this, as I've been thinking about this and observing what's going on in my own neighborhood. In our highly resourced, incredibly capable culture, sometimes the best way that we can value someone else is not only to make our time available to them, but to ask if they would make some of their time available to us. People love to be asked for help, to be asked for advice, to be asked to share some of their expertise. So the next time you have a need in your house, think of someone in your neighborhood who might be able to help you meet that need. And when someone offers you help of any kind at any time, always say yes, even if you don't really feel like you need the help. We've had neighbors not only help us stack firewood, but cook a rehearsal dinner for us and help clean up a flooded basement with us and make us some craft beer and play music for a staff party and loan us tools and watch our house while we're away and on and on. And every one of those gifts that they have given us has endeared us more to one another. So how can you make your time available and how can you invite others to give you a hand? And then finally, be prepared for the God moments. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I really like the message translation of this passage. It says, be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are. If we are living faithful to the great commandment that Jesus puts in front of us, people will see something different and they'll be compelled to ask. You know this, nothing we do, it's helpful to hear it again, nothing we do in love is ever lost, even if it's not acknowledged, even if it doesn't seem to make a difference. All acts of love have eternal value, even if they seem small, and even if they never lead to spiritual conversations, because they put the love of God on display in this world. But sometimes, through our expressions of love, God opens up not only a person's heart toward us, but that person's soul. And God calls us to be prepared when those sacred moments come. And they will come when the conversation naturally moves to spiritual things. Let me just share with you, uh, in closing, a conversation that I ha had uh, not too long ago with one of my neighbors. I got home from uh, a meeting that I had that was kind of late. I saw my neighbor out in front of her house as I was going to get the mail at the end of my drive. And so we stood out there in the dark and talked in the street for about a half an hour. As we've gotten to know this woman over the years, uh, we've learned that she comes from a pretty strong new age perspective, uh, not somebody we would see as having uh, traditional uh, Christian beliefs at all. She seems to be a lot more uh, tuned into the power of self-help than the power of God in any way. She had shared with us before that her husband was facing some really significant and challenging medical issues and that she was finding herself stretched thinner and thinner. So 
this night when I came home from the meeting, I asked for an update and she said that she was feeling pretty overwhelmed by it all and pretty frustrated too. And she wasn't sure how she was gonna make it. I listened, I entered in for this half hour of conversation. And at the end of the time, I, I just told her again that we had been praying for her and that we would continue to be doing that and that we were uh, sorry to hear that things had been so hard. So I, I turned to say goodnight and then I stopped because the spirit of God in that moment said, no, this conversation is not finished and this is what I want you to say. So I turned back around. I said, um, hey, before I go, let me just tell you how I've been praying for you. In the middle of all of this hard stuff, as you are pouring out your love on your husband and as you are coming to the end of yourself, I have been praying that at that moment, you would discover how much God loves you and that he is there and available for you and that you would learn how to access his love for you so that when you go to love your husband in these difficult circumstances, that you would discover that you are actually loving him out of the outpouring of God's love for you. I said that and kind of was like, did I really just say that? As I was sharing, she kind of got that joyful agitation you see in people when something is welling up in them. I finished what I was saying and I could see even in the dark of night, the huge grin on her face. And she said, that's exactly what I'm experiencing. I pour myself out and there's more there to pour out. It's humbling and it's unfamiliar and it's confusing and it's wonderful. Thank you for praying that for me. Please keep praying it. We've had significant spiritual conversations, more of them since that moment. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. That's the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we pause now just to to consider how we might respond to the challenge you've put before us this morning and over the last two Sundays and during this whole COVID season. Jesus, we say yes to you. We say yes to your invitation to stay anchored to God. We say yes to your invitation to stay connected to God's people And this morning we say yes to your invitation to stay faithful to your call to live a life of love. Jesus, we say yes to you. Our only hope ultimately is in you. You are our life and you are our joy and you are our purpose. And we pray that our lives would be the overflowing of your presence in them to the praise of your glorious grace. Jesus, our Redeemer.